Hey, everyone. Today's guest is the wonderful Ivana Lynch, who most of you know as Luna Lovegood from the Harry Potter movies. I could have talked with Evie for hours, but after getting to know each other, we turn our attention to answering calls and offering our best unqualified advice. Our first conversation is with a listener wondering if it's time to move on from a very intense on-again, off-again relationship. Then we talk with a young PhD student who, after dealing with a perfect storm of traumatic events, wonders how to reconnect with a lost friend. After getting to know Evie and realizing how wise she is, I just can't wait to read her new book, The Opposite of Butterfly Hunting. If you have a question and would like to talk with us, please look for the link at unqualified.com. I would love to hear from you. All right, everyone, here's my co-host for the day, Ivana Lynch. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. Hi, Ivana. Hi, Anna. So nice to meet you. It's so nice to meet you. Thank you so much for doing this with me today. Oh my God, it's such a pleasure. I've been a fan of this podcast for years so it's very surreal yeah. thank you <laughs> I'm really excited thank you no I love it you really like inspired me with my podcast which is totally different I do like a vegan podcast but I just love the warm atmosphere you create and all the fun and all that and like that's the kind of podcast I like where it's just you make people feel like welcomed and friends Thank you. Well, I was listening to your podcast and I wanted to ask you a few questions well first of all, how have you found the podcasting experience? My God, it's so hard. It is so much work. There is so many elements to it. It was definitely at first we were like, oh, we'll just make it small. It'll be a little passion project. And the whole thing of having to like turn up every week and be responsible and want to put something quality out there. It was like, it's a lot of pressure. And it's not like a book or a show or anything where you put it out and people rewatch it. People are just like, okay, I love that episode. When's the next one? And it's like, oh. But so much work. I feel like you just summed up the last six years of my life. Oh, my God. Do you like doing it? I love doing it because I get to talk to interesting people like you. We also get to talk with our listeners, and that part means a lot to me. Oh, that's That lovely. consistently kind of keeps me like, oh, yeah, we're talking about other people's issues outside of the entertainment industry. It's nice for me to have perspective on all that, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely more community. Can I call you Evie? Is that all right? Yeah, of course. I like that your friends call you that, and I want to be a friend. Okay, I've always wanted to go to Ireland. So if you were my tour guide, where would you take me? And can you sum up Ireland in just a few words? Gosh, yeah, big question. Um, well, first of all, my dad is a history teacher. He'll be very happy to show you if you ever come to Ireland. He's just very passionate about showing people like the less commercial touristy places like the old ancient crosses and things like that. There's a place called Newgrange, which is like a 5,000 year old building like stone building and it's very cool it's very cleverly done it's kind of they plotted it with the stars the astrology and everything and you're like wow it's like you go there and just you feel this sense of ancient wisdom it's really beautiful like spiritual how to sum up ireland i don't know like there is like the influence of catholicism is really strong and that was kind of difficult growing up there because growing up it was like oh people have a lot of shame but they are also very creative and very like grounded people 
very into mysticism. So did your parents not raise you with a lot of religion? I know they were teachers, right? Yeah, yeah, they were. Um, no, they did. My dad actually was going to be a priest. He trained for like seven years to be a priest and then was like, oh, no, I want to be a dad. So it was very much there, that influence. But I think when people, especially in the creative industry, in the arts, when people really break through that, they can make some, yeah, really special art. I have this fantasy of renting like a little car, maybe a stick shift and driving all around with my husband and I don't know, just exploring the countryside. The generalization that I have in my limited experience with Irish people is incredibly kind, incredibly friendly and optimistic. Very friendly people, but they take it a bit far. They get offended if you don't. Like, if you're a stranger walking down the street and you don't say hello, my dad would be like, the attitude on that one, you know? They don't. But yeah, very friendly and very just like, no pretense. There's this phrase like notions. If you get notions about you, if you have this attitude just of being above your station, people will bring you down to earth quick. Yeah. So that's nice. <laughs> that's nice. Helpful as an actress. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Exactly. <laughs> to an extent. Yeah. Um, but you should go to Wicklow if you do go there. So Wicklow is quite near Dublin and it's just beautiful scenery. So if you are going to get a car and drive, so it's near Dublin, so near the city, go Wicklow. And it's also where they shoot all the TV shows like Vikings and River Street. And anytime they're like, oh, we need a beautiful, stunning scenery. I could pedal my trade. I could get a walk-on roll. <laughs> you could. <laughs> hey, do you need a 44-year-old American? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think they'd be dying for it. I was listening to your podcast, which is fantastic. I am not a vegan, but I really admire what you're doing and your sense of activism and your sense of voice. Will you tell us a little bit about the history of that sense in yourself when you started to become passionate about this? Mm, yeah, for sure. Do you know what? I think most people at heart are vegan. Like, I do have that perspective that people don't want to cause cruelty and suffering, but we're all conditioned to see animals as things and property. And then we all have these comforts in life where we all have like our relationship with food is very personal and can be quite complicated. So to suddenly be like, oh, that was a being that had feelings and had a family and could feel, it challenges your sense of self, of you as a good person. So people kind of get these defense mechanisms. That's my perspective that everyone would be vegan if we could just make it easier. Like, it's not even about loving animals. It's just about respecting them as beings and they are a bit too different from us for us to understand. But like, you know, if you have a dog, if you have a cat, you already kind of get veganism that they're different from us, but they have feelings and their life is theirs. I feel like I always had that connection. I grew up in the countryside, always surrounded by animals and just felt my relationship with animals was much different to people. Like they had this stillness that you didn't have to put on. You didn't have to impress them. They just had that unconditional love and stillness. Whereas humans would often make me anxious and make me feel like I had to really perform and earn their love. So I, I think I always had that awareness that they were different, but that they deserved respect and compassion. I was vegetarian from a young age and then transitioned to veganism when I went to LA, actually. And there were so many vegans and so many amazing vegan places. And also, like, I used to think veganism was about what you give up and sacrificing and you're, you know, you're just eating salad. But that's like a meat, meat eater's way of looking at it. And you have to think of it as a different sort of cuisine, different culture almost. And you have to think about 
what you're going to add in, the new foods you're going to incorporate into your diet. And it shouldn't feel like a sacrifice. It should feel abundant. And I think if you do it the right way, it can feel like that. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. That was such a beautiful way to phrase all of that, Evie. I think that your thoughtfulness and still open-mindedness, I love how you don't think about it as the things you're giving up. You think about it as your own progression. Mm -hmm. Because nobody would stick to it. If you make it about, oh, like, you know, I'm this martyr for the cause and every mealtime is kind of miserable and you're like, resenting people eating the things you wish you ate you'll not be a fun presence you'll kind of put people off and you won't be happy so I just feel like any lifestyle change you're going to make should feel joyful I was thinking about this as I was listening to your podcast has your activism challenged your personal life in a way that made you have to choose between one or the other or made you feel like you had to choose Ooh, good question um Generally not. I've actually met a lot of friends. And I do find that when you're really honest about yourself and your values, you tend to meet souls you're more connected to. But it challenges me in relationships with guys because it's like that's where you're trying to impress people and you really want to make connections. I can definitely play that side of myself down sometimes and then feel like I'm hiding this part of myself. I think that's a question of self-worth. It's like, if I valued myself enough in relationships, then I wouldn't be feeling like I have to hide and conceal bits to win their approval. So yeah, that's my work. (laughs) It, It is challenging there. What's interesting about your perspective, and I think it speaks to who you are as a person, is that you're coming from a place of feeling pressure to modify your behavior for somebody as opposed to potentially being angry with someone for not changing their behavior. I was kind of thinking like, oh, I wonder if Evie has had an experience where she's fallen in love with somebody, Mm. but veganism is a core belief for her. What if this person doesn't want to be vegan? Mm. Would that be a deal breaker? And has that also happened or has it tended to be more of like, you being the absorber. Oh yeah, it totally does. And yeah, it would be definitely more the latter. But I kind of have my two things in relationships that like, if I was to ever have kids, I'd want to raise them vegan just because I believe that's a ethical way to live. And, you know, people say, oh, but you're brainwashing your child. I guess my belief is that we've been brainwashed to see animals this way and to accept that this is normal. So that's one. And then I'd also be like, I have to have a vegan wedding. So th- those are my two things. But I've never got that far in relationships, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Can we talk a little bit about that? Sure. <laughs> Will you tell us how old were you when you first told yourself, I love this person? Oh, um, maybe when I was 17. Yeah. Yeah. I fell in love with my dance teacher. And I just, oh, teachers are my type. I don't know. There's something about men with knowledge and you have big ideas and you have like a purpose. I'm like, just take me. Yeah. So (laughs) even if he's like a dance teacher, it is a type of knowledge. But yeah, I just was like, I think I was bowled over by his outlook on life. Like he was a very curious soul. 
I like people who they make the world seem bigger, you know, they tell you things or they have a thriving inner life and you're like, oh, I want to be part of that. That excites me. Yeah. Were you in a relationship with your dance teacher? Yeah, yeah, I did. I got him. <laughs> tell us about that. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was 17. He was like 26. And I just hung around. I just like did my research and just like stalked him a bit. That was the days of like MySpace. So I would chat to him a lot. And he was very much like, what's going on? But yeah, just had a connection. And then it lasted for a bit. But the thing about like teacher-student relationships is like it's very exciting at first, very hot and fun and all that. But then I think I start to grow up a bit and be like, I want to be an equal part of this relationship. And then that's when it like changed. And it was like, yeah, it wasn't the same. I just think in that dynamic, it is easy and typical mm -hmm. for the older person to inherently be slightly patronizing. Mm -hmm. They've lived a little bit longer, mm -hmm. so they have more life experience. But when I was younger, I was really easily turned off by the slightest hint of anything patronizing. Wow. Like I found a financial difference patronizing. Was that because you just like didn't want to lose your power or something? Yes. And it was incredibly important for me to be taken seriously, which is why like landing in comedy has been kind of the best thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> really broke that down pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that makes sense then that your relationships, that's where you want to be really taken seriously and to have your autonomy, I suppose. I wish I was more that way. Have you been heartbroken? Yeah, too many times. <laughs> of course, yeah. Will you tell us about a bad heartbreak and how you got over it? Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, trying to pick one, which one? Probably a few years ago, I was like, with this guy, where it was like, because I always believed in soulmates. I was always like, there's one person, there's one person. And then I met this guy and we were so different. But I loved him so much that I was like, oh, I don't believe in soulmates anymore. I just think you work at it and make it work. And I just loved him like really purely. And then... But wait, can you elaborate a little more on that? Because I always feel like if you really love someone, then sure, they're your soulmate, you know? Really? I mean, there's a lot of shades in there of what that could mean, you know? Like, I'm not sure I really believe in the idea of soulmate, maybe as some people think of it. Do you believe in soulmates, like that there'll be people throughout your life? I think that if that idea is kind of linked to the ultimate intimate bond, then my husband, I would consider him my soulmate. So how were you guys two different? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like intellectually not on the same. We didn't read the same things, like the same films, didn't have the same life purpose. He didn't get veganism, all that stuff. It was like... I'm quite spiritual and I do feel like I'm always looking for the bigger picture. It's not, I don't like to get caught up in the minutiae. But um, yeah, we were just on very different paths, you know. So I guess what I'm asking though is why did you love him? Like what about him in that time of your life? Was it like security? Was it super hot, super popular? <laughs> <laughs> like that's been my deal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. It is nice. It does help. I think it was like, joy, fun. I think my career is quite full on and it demands a lot. And then I'd go be with him and it was like, all that went away. It didn't matter. And it was like, you could get lost in the moment. I think I'm quite attracted to like 
wandering souls, like lost souls or something or, or yeah, that they're independent and free and all that. And that helps me be free. Life can just feel too serious. So maybe that. So then what happened? Did he break up with you? Did he break your heart? Yeah, he did. He did. Oh, God, this is going so deep. Sorry. Um, no, it's good. It's fine. He left me for a guy, actually. And I was so blindsided by it because it was like a friend. And I used to joke. I used to be like, oh, your new girlfriend. <laughs> and then like, you know, the irony is like, yeah, it was just I didn't see it coming at all. And it's so weird. I think before I thought, because, you know, in previous relationships, when things broke up, it was always maybe they'd go on to meet another girl or there was someone else they were interested in. And it was like, I don't want to be a boy. I can't compare myself to this. And it was really like, oh, it's not about me. It was very weird. That's my thing when relationships break up, when there's heartbreak that you kind of try and I'm like, right, what can I do and improve, fix, do everything. And it was like, I can't be a man. <laughs> you know, it was just like, I'm out of ideas here. And so did you lean on like your friends and family or was it so blindsiding that there was almost like a balm in that? How do you mean? Well, did you spend nights crying? Oh, yeah. I even tried like after the whole thing, like, and it was weird. I just had this sense as well. Even though I didn't admit to myself, I knew that he'd been cheating. And I just it just kind of came out one day and he confirmed it and he was like, whoa. But even after that, I still kept trying to make the relationship work. But then he had moved on before the relationship ended. Like I really felt his huge sense of relief and he kind of moved on with this person. And it was like, oh, this is like self-harm to still be his friend and to still be connected to him. And I think that's a blessing, isn't it? When somebody does something that's kind of unforgivable and that's hurting you, that's when it's like, okay, I can't, I have to disconnect. And yeah, it took a long time to wean myself off. You know, now in retrospect, as I say, I'm like, we so weren't meant to be together, but I was so in love that I would never have ended it. Evie, thank you for being so open and sweet and just lovely. Oh, no. Honestly, there's a amount of times for listening to the podcast, I was like, oh, can I write in with my relationship problems? I really want to do sometimes, but I do have a therapist, so. <laughs> I think you're going to be really good at talking with our listeners. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello? 
Joanna. Hello. Hi. Hi. Nice to meet you. Really nice to meet you, and thank you for your intimate letter. This is Evie. We were just talking about getting over heartbreak. Will you tell us what's going on? Yeah. I am from Massachusetts. I moved down to Connecticut to live closer to a girlfriend probably like three, four years ago. We broke up like four months later, so it wasn't worth the drive, but it's okay. So we broke up. And you stayed? Yes. I stayed because I didn't really feel like packing up, moving, getting another job, doing all that. So I just said, I'm going to figure out life here for a little bit. I started to date again in June and um, I met a girl in Rhode Island. I asked her on a Sunday what she was doing. She told me her dad plays in a band. So they were all at a bar. So I go in and we sit down. We're getting to know each other. And I hear this girl behind me and I turn around and there's this girl with like cool looking sunglasses on. And I was like, that girl. So me, her and the girl that I was supposed to be on a date with were kind of hanging out all day. I was asking this girl questions and she had a girlfriend at the time. And I said, oh, well, your girlfriend's going to want you to pop the question soon. And she was like, oh, no, we're not there yet. And I was like, oh, I still got a chance. You're flirting. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) I went home and I like stalked her on Facebook and I'm like, maybe their relationship is doomed. I forgot about it for a while. And me and the Rhode Island girl didn't work out. So I was on Tinder of all places. And I'm swiping and who shows up but the girl in the sunglasses. And I was like, oh my God, all my dreams are coming true. <laughs> um, so she called me that night and she told me that she broke up with her girlfriend, but her girlfriend still lived at her house. And from my previous relationship, I had a hard boundary of, I can't do any ex drama. And Joanna, wait, this was last December? This was two Decembers ago. So I was hesitant to get into a relationship with her. So I kind of told her and this other girl in Connecticut, like, I really would just like to hang out with you guys, but I can't commit to anything right now because I'm just not ready for it. And she called me and I was walking my dog at the time and we were talking for like an hour and all of a sudden she pulls up next to me. And so we hung out all night and I was like, oh my God, my dreams are coming true once again. So we dated and she said, I think that you should move in with me because Connecticut to Rhode Island is just a really difficult relationship situation. So I was all for it. I moved in. She has a great job as an electrician. I have a little dog sitting, walking business of my own. So she told me I could move in and I could just work on clients. I wouldn't have to worry about any bills because she already pays the bills anyway. So it's not going to make a difference. So I moved in. I was on top of the world. And then a week later, I was like, I have no purpose. It was COVID. No one needed dog walking. And I wasn't making any money. I didn't do anything. I just started feeling really low about myself and I could see like my eyes weren't as bright and I felt like I looked ugly. I feel like a failure. I feel like I don't do anything for this house. And like, then I would just start like these stupid, irrational arguments. We just couldn't figure anything out. So I ended up moving out two months later, but we still talked every single day. When you moved out, was that a very much a mutual decision? It was definitely all me thinking that I needed to just get back on my feet. And I just really felt like, how can someone love me if I'm not providing anything for this person? And I kind of left just so I could feel like a human again. She went on a trip probably like a week later and we talked the whole trip and she was like, well, we could hang out again. And I was like, well, I just left. So that would kind of be a little foolish. But then probably a week after that, I got asked to do a dog sit and I have two dogs of my own. And so I texted her and I was like, this is probably terrible timing, but could you watch my dogs so I can watch these other people's dogs? And she said, of course I'll watch them. So then we took about from 
February to now, we kind of went back and forth. And when we hung out, we would act like we were dating, we'd kiss, we would do all those kinds of things. So then I had my cousin's wedding in August and we kind of had this, you know, stupid disagreement and we had a fight. And I said, you know what? I have my cousin's wedding coming up. I need to really focus on showing up with a smile on my face. A couple of days after that, she would like text me and said she misses me and all that kind of stuff. And then we started talking about dating other people and both of us were very uncomfortable with it. That's when I said, we need to take a week off. And every single day I wanted to send her a message about anything. And I was like, you can't do it. The day of the wedding, I'm getting all packed up. I got to throw my dogs in my car as well to board. I take my bags out and my dog runs out into the hallway. I live in an apartment and I went to go grab him and he freaked out a little bit and he bit me. So I came back inside. My hand was bleeding. I was getting all like woozy. So I called sunglasses and I said, Jack, my dog just bit me and I'm freaking out. I was like, what are you doing? And she said she was about to get on a ferry to go to Block Island to hang out with friends. So I was like, I am so close to asking you to go to my parents' house so you can drive me to this wedding. And she was like, I'll do it. She was like, I'll get off the boat right now and I'll do it. And I was like, no, 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 you have some plans. I was like, I already feel better just hearing your voice. So I'm going to go, you do your thing. We'll talk to each other in a couple of days. So that weekend, I didn't hear from her. Monday, I called her and she met someone on the ferry to go to Block Island. So my life completely crumbled in front of me. That's really devastating, especially when you have an injury and you Mm -hmm. feel so vulnerable Mm -hmm. in those moments when you're in pain, you feel helpless when you're alone. Oh, that's really tough. What has been your communication since? We talk every single day because we are best friends. You know, she is my best friend. And when this all happened, I actually had a dog sit to go to for a week. And I told her, I was like, can you just do me one favor? Can we just talk every single morning? Because it's the only way I get through my day. Mm -hmm. And she did it. I'm thankful for that. She still tells me she has feelings for me and she'll always have feelings for me. And this is where it gets difficult. And this is why I wrote to you because there was one day I was walking my dog and I was completely devastated. And I was like, well, at least it's almost dinner time. And then it will almost be bedtime. And then it will be tomorrow. But then tomorrow is going to be the same day. So that's why I needed. I wish that there was like somebody who could just tell you how to shut your brain off. Yes, God. (laughs) Well, in an ideal world, would you be in a relationship with her again, living with her, planning your future and your home together? Is that what you envision when like you think about contentment? Yes. This is another reason why it's so difficult because she keeps on telling me, like if I was dating somebody and they told me they still have feelings for their ex and they always will, that would bother me. And I'm like, I don't understand how you can date somebody and still have feelings for me. Tell me that you love me. And she's told me we're eventually probably going to get back together. Like she says all these things. (sighs) That part concerns me. I know. Listen, I know. And it should concern her partner. My goodness. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And she's even sat this girl down and said, I'll always care about Joanna. She's my best friend. And I guess the girl asked, like, if they stop dating, will her and I get back together? And she said she can't predict the future. Which, again, Mm -hmm. if I was that girl, I'd be like, I got to go. So I did what any sane human would do. And I went to a psychic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Listen, we're unqualified. (laughs) So I go to the psychic. She's like, wow, you've been through it. And I'm like, yeah. So like flip off the first couple cards and the first one is like wish 
and reunited. And she picks them up and she's like, look, you guys are going to get back together. And I'm like, are you saying that so I don't cry? And she's mm-hmm. like, no, look at the cards. Then the whole reading was like, we're meant to be together and we were together in a past life. And that's why I'm so drawn to her and all this kind of stuff. So I called sunglasses because <laughs> she knew I was going up there and she was like, how'd it go? And I said, we're going to get back together. And she was like, no way. And so I told her the whole story. And while I was telling her the whole story, we always have like signs, like she's obsessed with one, four, three. So she's like, oh, I just opened a box at work and it's box one, four, three. And I was like, the universe wants us to be together. And I was like, does any of this make you happy? And she said, of course it does. It's not going to happen tomorrow. And the psychic even said, which is definitely true, that sunglasses doesn't like to be the one to break up with somebody. Mm -hmm. So something's going to happen to cause the whole thing. But in the meantime, like we had a conversation a few days ago and she's like, I'm being selfish. And I'm like, yeah, you are. Have you heard the term avoidant before? Yes. Attachment theory. Evie, do you know much about this? Oh, yeah. Well, I had to study it because of an avoidant person. <laughs> Amazing. Does it seem to you, Evie, that sunglasses is avoidant? And potentially Joanna a little bit too. So I'm only learning about this too. So this is like basics, but the attachment theory, it's like how you learn love as a child and how you react to it, where some kids, when their parents leave the room, when the parent then comes back, their way of coping is to be really attached and try and keep them there and be really clingy. Whereas the avoidant one would maybe, it hurts so much that they detach and they become distant. So people who are avoidant, a lot of guys are avoidant. When intimacy happens, when you start getting feelings and someone starts getting attached, they panic and they pull away. And then there's the secure person who they don't react either way, clingy or avoidant. But Joanna, I mean, I think it's amazing you're doing so much work on yourself and like working with a therapist and psychic and all that. But are you even ready to let her love you? Because I can feel you love her so much and you have this deep connection that has kind of traversed so many difficult things. But from what you've said, like you weren't able to accept her love, like unconditional love, because you felt and that is such a hard thing. When all those things are taken away, it's like, who am I? What's my worth? That is definitely challenging. But it felt like she was giving you unconditional love and you weren't ready for it. And I just wondered, like, if you were to get in a relationship again with her, would you be able to let that love in? Are you ready to be loved fully and unconditionally? I do believe that I'm in a place right now. I can get into hopefully a relationship with her and be able to express how I feel without it coming across as needy. How would you describe the fights you had been having? Were they, were they little disagreements over nothing or were they more explosive? It was like a little bit of both. I think we both brought issues into it and we should have figured them out together. And if we just laid it all on the line and like had a deep talk, she's very guarded. And we cried and we did this and we talked about, you know, what happened when we were kids. And like, I just feel like we have all the ingredients to make a strong relationship. So, you know, when you were describing before the wedding, you told her that I can't see you or talk to you. Would you say whatever issue that was, was it a cheating heavy issue or was it like you forgot the right leash or whatever? <laughs> um, everything we thought about was just so stupid because I think we just had bigger issues that we just were too proud to mention to each other. It sounds exhausting. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it sounds like you guys are purposely misreading each other with your communication. It feels mm-hmm. like it's a slightly active choice to be in an argument. And it sounds like you both have fallen into a massive pattern of that because there mm-hmm. is hurt and pain. I think you guys both might be avoidant in terms of your guardedness. And to also put perspective on it, though, it seems to me, Joanna, that you guys both really love each other. It's interesting that you both have had these kind of series of other dalliances with like a few other women. Mm -hmm. Do you know, Joanna, there was something that you said in your letter that I was just thinking of. You were saying about manifesting that you're not sure whether sometimes you should try and manifest the connection. But I think you might be too available to her because she knows you love her so much. Okay. And she's Mm -hmm. in this relationship. And if you come to her being like, we're destined to be together, the psychic said. So she's like, Joanna's always going to be there. So I can have this relationship that seems to be going along nicely. And I also have this person I'm deeply in love with and have a connection with. And she's going to just stay there. And I mean, my spiritual teachers always teach me about manifestation is about embodying the energy first that you want to create. And then the world around you changes to reflect that i just feel like what was it that she gave to you the love what is it the relationship that you really miss and want and can you find that within yourself can you embody it because at the moment you're focusing too much on her and like can you fall in love with yourself can you find things that you really love to do that are separate from her if you really love yourself and are off doing this she might feel like oh wow she's taken her energy away from me she's not fully thinking of me all the time and she might be more drawn to that because if i was her i would just feel like well i'm never going to lose joanna she's always going to be there yeah you've given her a lot of power in that and what was heartbreaking actually was listening to you talk about willing yourself to not text or call her before the wedding To me, what was tragic about it is that you were probably more tortured by restricting yourself. I think that you guys have developed a pretty unhealthy pattern. And I want to, like, help you move on to the future, to another love. But the problem is, I don't know if I fully believe that. I think that she's probably avoidant. And as much as we would want to tell you, forget about her, forget about her. It sounds like she's on your mind a lot. Oh, God, yeah. She's definitely right. We needed to have a break. We needed to figure our stuff out. She even just said that she wants to go back to therapy because she wants to be better for her next relationship. What does that mean? She wants to be better for her next relationship. Did that hurt your feelings? No, like not this relationship that she's in, just better for herself. Because she even keeps on saying like, I'm not happy. I'm in a funk. And I'm like, well, you probably shouldn't be dating somebody if you're in a funk. And you're right about I was just talking to my therapist and she was like, you need to love yourself first. And I'm like, I know I do. If you want to take a stab at this relationship again, do you think she would be into it if you were like, I just want to be with you? Like, what would she say in that? Well, I've told her that probably every day for the past month and a half. I mean, she tells me she loves me. In my heart, I want to stay hopeful. Does Sunglasses live with her current girlfriend? No, they've only known each other since August 7th. And she's told me several times that like, she doesn't want to have a title right now. She's not going to call anyone her girlfriend. She's not going to do any of that. And she's also told me when I tell her about dating other girls, she gets upset. And I'm like, if you don't want to see me go, don't let me leave. It sounds like when you talk, you are not saying anything. (laughs) 
Like, no, oh, yeah. I want to get back together. Well, someday it's like, well, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think it means right now. No, definitely. Yeah. So I really think that you shouldn't talk to her every day. I don't think it's fair to her relationship, no matter how serious or unserious it is. It would hurt my feelings. But more importantly for you, I need you to, like, distract yourself, I think. It shouldn't be that one other person is your answer. Like, what can you do to build yourself up? What are the things you love about yourself? Or if you can't do that, because I've had this in relationships where it's like, oh, I don't like anything and I need that person. What things do you love? Because I find if you start doing things you love like creative things, that can help you build yourself up and you'll feel pride, you'll feel fulfilled. It's just, to me, when every time you talk, I'm like, oh, you don't realize how wonderful you are. You don't have enough self-love to then let it in. And I just feel like if you put your energy there into building up your self-love again, she's going to feel that you've pulled back from her and she's going to want to invest more. And that's like big work to do that. But I really think that's the only thing you can do. As Anna said, that... You can't talk to her every day because it's giving too much to her. We were talking, Joanna, about the concept of soulmate. And one of the reasons I'm not crazy about that term is kind of because I think you can romanticize somebody too much. And you may be in a headspace where you are really romanticizing sunglasses and that she is like the love of your life. There's no one else for you. You know, our memory sharpens itself. We tend to make things either a more negative experience or a more positive experience. Those are the things we remember is when our emotions are heightened. But as a result, mm -hmm. it's hard to give fair assessment sometimes on a relationship, especially when you feel a lot of pain around it. So just keep that in mind, that this could be more mm -hmm. of an ideal, I guess, than reality. I was actually just talking about that with my therapist. And I was like, if I see her in person, I wonder if these feelings are all going to be real or if I'm going to be like, I am just completely romanticizing what I think this could be. So keep this in mind as you are healing. She's enjoying your neediness on some level mm. and you're enjoying being needy. And right now, she's a security blanket for you. I don't want to tell you to, like, not call her ever. or Like, I think that's not fair. You're going to miss her. You're going to be lonely. But I would really try hard to start cultivating some of the other relationships in your life, you know, with family and friends. Like, really think about calling someone else. I think that will help ease this. And you guys could get back together after you really feel secure in, like, you won't die without her, you know? Joanna, how do you feel when I tell you that I don't think you should call her? I understand where you're coming from. And I try to tell myself that every day. But then I do hang out. Like, I, start, I dated two girls. And like, not really dated. We just kind of hung out and like, I'll hang out with them and they'll have their arm around me. And I'm like, I feel nothing. Aww. And I was like, maybe this is just a blow to my ego and I'll meet somebody and be like, sunglasses who? No, it doesn't work like that. It really doesn't, Joanna. This is the rough part of life. It works like a scar. Mm -hmm. You will not be able to flip a switch. I think that humans that have experienced severe heartbreak are better people. That's just my unqualified position. <laughs> We're better, guys. <laughs>
Well, and I am a great person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are. Yeah. And, you are. And you're putting a lot of pressure on these dates. You know what I mean? Like doing a hardcore comparison. Yeah, that's true. You're right. Of course, you don't feel anything because you don't really know this person. And you're also thinking, why am I not feeling anything? I'd be feeling something of sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. you have to work on like opening up because even if you get back together with sunglasses, you'll still be a better person because she's not ready for that now. Yeah. So how do we get you ready? You know, and I think that you have to engage. And that's when like you'll start to shed the badge of heartbreak. And in the meantime, though, I want you to have fun. I want you to go out on dates. I really do. I really think you should be proactive in this and have fun and make sure that you like engage, though, like be present for everyone. Try your best to not compare and don't discount these other women, you know, like really Mm -hmm. give them your time. You're awesome and you'll be rewarded for it. I also think as well as dating, I think you should take up some hobbies, like do what you love and your love will find you. And maybe it will be sunglasses or maybe it'll be somebody else who just like is really aligned with what you love about the world. And I think that would build up your confidence a bit more. This is going to be awesome for you, Joanna. Like, I just think that you really have to keep that perspective close. Yeah. And, you know, one day, if, when, whatever you want to say, when you do get back together, you might be like, thank God I had that time on my yeah. own to develop myself. Oh, my God. Sunglass no, is going to yeah. be like begging for you back. She's going to be like, what happened to my needy little puppy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I hope we helped. I hope we didn't like bring you two down. I imagine you've been talking about this for a while now. It's a lot of pain you've shouldered. You're doing amazing. Thank you. This is great. I get it. I see it from every single side. And you guys made total sense that I need to live my life and then whatever finds me will find Exactly. And it won't take long. Truly, go out on dates, find a hobby, just keep yourself a little distracted. It'll be a little exhausting. You'll feel tired, but approach it like working out a little bit and then assess the situation. And I guarantee you'll notice a difference in sunglasses because at some point you won't Mm -hmm. call her or whatever. And she'll be like, why why aren't you doing that as much? And then that will be an interesting time to assess. You're going to want to leap back into her arms. I give you permission because I love love, but with a lot of caution. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. Because I think that the way you two communicate is just a bad pattern. For what it's worth, I actually do think you guys will be together. I think all you've come through, there is some really deep connection. I really do. But I absolutely feel strongly that you have some work to do on letting love in yourself. I think you find it hard to accept it. And I think you need to go and do whatever you can to make yourself love yourself. Also, I have a tip here because I am somebody who finds it hard to like wean myself off people. Whatever you want to say to the person, say it into a voice note on your phone or into a journal. And like, either you might turn it into something creative or sometimes I listen to them back and I'm like, thank God I didn't send that crazy note to that person. Like you actually see yourself change. Yeah. Yep. A little tip that might be helpful. I appreciate it. I appreciate it all. I really do. Oh, uh, Joanna, just know you're not alone. People are just going through it. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was so nice to talk to you. Thank you, you too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And have fun. Fall in love again. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, I know. Jeez. You will. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Goodbye. Bye. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Evie, what did you think? Oh, man. She doesn't know how to be loved. She's trying so hard to love sunglasses that sunglasses doesn't have to do anything and she can go and have the relationship and have joanna it's like joanna should go and develop herself and like she obviously has such a big heart and what's she gonna do when she focuses that love on herself i'm excited for her but it does feel painful how did you feel i wish there was some practical advice or remedy to offer yeah, something that they will do. <laughs> yeah, something that is like, okay, I should try to take that outlook. But she gave all the power, I think, you know, to sunglasses. Yeah. Okay, should we talk to Gary? Yeah, cool. Let's talk to Gary. Hey, Gary. Hi, Gary. Hi. Gary, will you tell us what's going on? So I guess my question for both of you would be, what should I do if a friend of mine place her religious belief in front of our friendship? And this literally just happened like maybe a week ago. You wrote in your email that you had to go to Taiwan to help with your family. And it's been a crazy time for you in general. So what happened is I'm currently a PhD student on the East Coast. And I was very quickly become a friend with another student, let's call her student A, from another department. Like there's no romantic element involved. We're just like friends. We like text each other, checking in with each other about our studies, about our daily life. So everything is just like great. Until maybe a couple of months ago, my mom passed away because of cancer. I'm so sorry. And then it was a hodgepodge of miscommunications because I thought I could take a leave of absence. But then at the end of the day, I was sort of, quote unquote, forced in the situation that I have to fly back to Taiwan and also manage the schoolwork. Mm. So it's like a 12 hour difference. In the morning, I was with my family, and when everybody goes to sleep at 1 a.m., I started taking classes <laughs> online by Zoom. Wow. Yeah, so it was worse than I thought it would be, 
And within this entire situation, this uh, student A, my friend, we were still like keeping close contact. In the middle of all of these, we were attending the same class, and they have like a project going on, which is basically just a replication of a paper. This specific professor, his personal paper, he just wanted us to replicate his paper based on the exact same data and everything else. And then, because of my situation back in the day, it was basically living in two different time zones, as I said. So I started chatting with another student who was in this class. Let's call him a student B, and I was like talking with him. About like my frustration, everything else, and he voluntarily offered help for me to like better understanding of the class material and everything else. So I was very fortunate. But then after I came back to the states, it was when the project was due, so I submitted, and all of a sudden, this specific professor cut off all the communication between me and him. So I was frustrated, and I talked with. This student A, my friend, I was like, "Oh my God, how are you still like communicating with this professor as usual?" And she was like, "Yeah, he literally just got back to me like ten minutes ago." And I was like, "Okay, I don't know what went wrong. My gut instinct told me it could be something bad, but I have no idea." And then literally the next day, this professor asked me to go on a meeting with him and two other. Faculty members within our school, and he just came out and accused me of plagiarism. And his evidence was because my comment and feedback on his paper was too similar to student B, who I was talking with along the way. And as I say, he did not specifically prohibit this like talking and collaboration beforehand, but that was his take. And then at the time, after their immediate accusation of all of these, they were、um, <laughs> trying to kick me out of the school. So I wasn't even able to process about my mom passing away, and then I was involved with all these. So I feel super embarrassed. I think it's so brave that you're talking about it, Gary. Like I imagine, like whatever the school thinks is kind of neither here nor there for、mm-hmm. Evie and I a little bit. But between the blow and the tragedy of your mother's early death in your life,、yeah. and kind of the overall loneliness of online school and research, <laughs> then to have this blow—that's a lot. And then it sounds like you've lost a friend potentially over it. At the beginning of all these, I, like I said, I was super embarrassed. That's a lot,、and、Gary. I feel like for me, it's simple. It's like, how would you want to be treated as a friend if you had a friend who'd been through what you've been through, who'd been accused of plagiarism after you've worked so hard at university to be here? Your mother passed away. You had to go away during your studies. And for your friend to not support—I mean, how would you treat your friend? And how can you accept this behavior from someone else? And do you want that person as your friend? I just feel really—I feel protective of you because it's not good enough how your friends are treating you. It's not. You need support. You need sympathy and empathy. And I just feel upset that you don't have better people in your life. But I feel like you can find them. They're out there. Gary, I want to ask you about your friend in a second. 
but I want to compliment you on your strength so far. I imagine you've been pretty depressed. Yeah, for the last couple of months, that was definitely really tough for me. Mm. Because for some reason, this case just like drag on from early May, literally until almost the end of August. Like every day of my life within those like four months, actually, I wasn't sure where I was going. I don't know if I'll get stay or I'll be kicked out of school. And because you know visa, whatever, if I get kicked out of school, I'll be kicked out of U.S. as well. So it was just like a lot of things. You're like one of those people that gets hit by lightning twice. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> True. So tell me about your friend. So before, as I said, literally one day before that professor came out and accused me of plagiarism, I spoke to this friend of mine. I told her, "Okay, so this professor stopped all his communication with me for some reason. I don't feel good about this, and yada yada yada." And she didn't really say anything at the time. And then when I finally got this accusation, and the initial response from the school was, "I." Expulsion. I told her I feel like I need time and space with myself because, as I said, it's like really embarrassed. Like I've never had to experience anything like that before. Sometimes it's just like process through all of these, along with all kinds of appealing process within the school. So I told her that hey, I need some space and whatever. So that was in early June. I told her that, and she never reached out. I did not reach out to her within June, July, and August. And when I finally got the decision from the university, which is a favorable outcome of mine, that they think there's flaws within the decision of my college, so the university let me stay at school. So. I reached out to this friend A. I was like, "Hey, finally done with whatever shitty stuff I was going through. So maybe we can catch up. Like finally." And it took her a couple of days to get back to me, which it kind of gave me the vibe that she probably is upset about the fact that we haven't spoken. And then, so she got back to me saying, "Like, well, she just got back from her honeymoon or whatever." So she hasn't been able to read through her text messages or emails, which was like, yeah, sure, congratulations. A week before the beginning of this new academic semester, I reached out to her again and said, "Hey, would you like to maybe catch up?" And it also took her like a couple of days to get back to me. It was a Sunday morning, and then she said. Well, it's gonna be a hectic schedule for me in the next couple of weeks, which I understand. And then all of a sudden, she shot me like three long paragraphs of messages accusing me of how I betray our friendship because she believes the fact that I talk with this student B and potentially put student B at the risk of being exposed as well. Is a betrayal of her religious belief. Like I know she go to church every week, but I don't know she's like that religious in terms of that. I think that's weird.、Mm. Yeah. So student B is a friend of hers. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. And then she's just like, 
being engaged in academia work means we have to venture for knowledge based on our integrity and whatnot. And then she also said, but I am going to pray for you because grace and forgiveness is what God tells us. And that was literally the last few sentences of her very long text. Did you text her back? I wasn't exactly surprised that she was upset about me or whatever, but I was definitely shocked that's the way she sees things. Like I said, within the three months since I told her, like probably in some space and time to deal with all this stuff, we never spoken. She never reached out to me. I never reached out to her. So she didn't know like details of everything. She just knows there's something going on with me that could potentially put this student be at a verge of explosion as well. And she is obviously not happy about that. So I don't know what was going on in her mind. And I was shocked. So the only thing I text her back was just like, thank you. <laughs> I really don't know how to like, it's all for me not to say anything and but I also tend not to say too much at a verge of this kind of strong emotions in case I regret later. But this has just been on my mind. Gary, you're back in school, though. Yeah. That's great. How is that? Is that really stressful as well? Do you still feel like are people like looking at me or doubting me or do you feel a stigma? Yeah. Time will pass. You know what I mean on that front? Mm-hmm. Like, you are doing awesome. You are. Really. Like, everyone gets fired, and then you got rehired. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. But it is a very alienating experience, what you're going through, of having your name defamed, really? Like that. And you need friends. But do you know what? Like, you've just poured out your heart to us, two strangers, and already it's like, I can feel your pain. I can feel your kindness, your vulnerability. And maybe you need to show that to her. I don't really understand the bit about how it conflicts with her religious beliefs. But I do understand like how she might have felt hurt that you pulled the friendship back. It's like, is there a way you could find a safe place to like write her a letter? What you did for us just now to really show her your heart and your pain and how much her friendship would mean to you. And maybe she just doesn't know that you needed all this time because it was too much. Yeah, I would send her a long, well-thought-out text back saying that you promise to respect and understand her boundaries. You know, however you want to phrase the allegations, but be honest with her, you know, and say that you had to pull away because you were in a place where you just couldn't talk to anybody, that it was a really hard, painful time for you. And you miss her as a friend, and you hope that you can have a friendship again or something like that. But you can't make someone be your friend. But I think she wrote with care and thoughtfulness. So I would do that, and I just wouldn't expect anything back for a minute. But I think it's nice that she invested that much into your friendship. I think that is a good sign. And without being manipulative, maybe you could let her know that you could use a friend right now. And then on that front, Gary, the making new friends, finding new social circles, are there ways you can be proactive in that? You know, 
if you really were determined, like it's going to be really awful at first. It really it is. is. I know. It is. Yeah. We're used to staying inside mm-hmm. on our couches. I know. I know. It's going to be really awful. But do you have any community or job or anything outside of school? Yeah, so I don't make friends often. Like, I know a lot of people, but to make them like my friends take a while. Mm-hmm. Like, within the last couple of months, I definitely talked to like, five of my like closest friend about this because including my therapist (laughs) because I feel like I just couldn't deal with this by myself but within school I am fully aware of the fact that there are people in my college that doesn't think I should stay and that is actually very obvious. So do I have other social circles outside of school? I mean, I do, but am I like excited to expand a lot of other social circles out of school? I'm not sure. Out of school, I do have like people I can talk to, I can hang out with. Well, I want you to have some new experience. <laughs> do you have time for a job? either paid or maybe some volunteer work? I think so, yeah. Kind of be proactive in that realm. I always like the idea of volunteering because it's giving back, but I would also really consider like a paying job because there's something about that consistent natural community Mm. where everyone gets like in the routine and everyone's blasé and bored because they're at work or whatever. That, I think that will be good for you to have a built-in social group. So you don't have to make friends, but they'll become your friends. They'll become like a different kind of support system. I love that advice you gave on a, you know, service community because you seem like somebody who's very compassionate and kind. But at the moment, you've been cast out by society a little bit, by your community. You're a little bit of an outcast. And like, I can relate to that thing of having had those accusations leveled at you. You're paranoid. You're worried about making new friends. So maybe if you go into a place, as Anna said, where you're of service and you're helping others, that might heal that wound for you a bit and you'll find a new community. At least it'll keep your mind from thinking about your big life events 24-7, which they must be that hamster wheel in your brain. (laughs) And don't forget, Gary, like this is still new. Every day, very slowly, it will get better. People will have their other stuff to think about. The first thing they think about when they see you won't be this. Mm -hmm. That'll take a while, but you'll get there. You keep at it. You are really strong. Mm -hmm. As far as student A, I think you just have to make sure you respect her boundaries. But I would be honest with her. And at the very least, a well-thought-out text gives perspective on who you are. And that's important, even if it's just in those small moments. She needs to know that, yeah, that thing happened, but there's also me. I can't be defined by this one event. When we first talked, I was annoyed on your behalf that your friend wasn't being as supportive. But I do understand it with more context that you pulled yourself back, you removed yourself, that that is hurtful. But it also sounded like your friend, you know, the fact that they do go to church and pray for you. Forgiveness is a huge tenet of religion and spirituality. And I believe that person, student A, must have it in their heart to forgive you if you show your heart, if you show what's going on, because you did pull back. Maybe at the moment they don't see your pain and what you were dealing with. So I really think that there can be resolution there if you pour out your heart. 
And also remember, she just got married. She has all this other stuff going on. So she may not spend too much energy in response or cultivating a friendship yet with you. So write a really thoughtful text, do good work, slowly start emerging with those slow steps of emergence. You'll get out of this darkness and it'll just be a memory and you'll move on. There'll be a shit ton of other things to focus on. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. There really will be. You deserve to feel a lot of joy. You know, you do. You've just had a couple of lightning bolts in your life. Thank you so much to you too on this podcast and everything. Gary, I want to tell you that the gift of this, though, of you opening up is to a lot of listeners, you know, Mm -hmm. because there's been a lot of people having some pretty fucking hard situations during the last year and a half. And for you to be able to talk about yours is really meaningful and you're getting through it. Mm -hmm. And you will. And, you know, you're going to be emerging from your cocoon, which you needed. I believe that you needed to hunker down. But just take slow daily steps to start to reemerge. You're not defined by this. Mm -hmm. You're not. It will feel like it for a while. And I'm really sorry about that. I wish I could take it away from you. Mm -hmm. But this time might be the hardest time of your life. And you're doing it. You're Mm -hmm. strong. I really appreciate that, not just for you, Gary, but also for a lot of our listeners. This is the gift you're giving them. I hope you know that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anna and Evie. Thank you so much. You're wonderful. You're such a beautiful soul, Gary. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Thank you, you, Gary. Bye, Gary. Bye-bye. Bye. amazing thing what you're doing Anna like oh I think this is really sacred work you're seeing people you're witnessing people and you're creating this space and it's like especially with you know the whole thing of breaking down the thing between celebrity and people do like to be seen and it's strange it's like a projection onto you but it really helps like I had that you know as a young kid with the Harry Potter actors and with JK Rowling like being seen and being told oh you matter you have something to give to the world it is fucking profound and you're just doing that every week and I'm just I really think it's such special work what you're doing Evie thank you I think you're just amazing thank you and that means a lot I think simply people telling their stories helps other people. Mm. Just knowing that you're not alone, knowing that this emotional reaction is relatively common makes us feel sane. Yeah. And like the thing of creating space for that, because with Gary, like if we didn't have that conversation, like he's very good at laughing. You can tell he holds a lot back. He's always making jokes or like laughing. You wouldn't know that he's struggling with this real darkness. But having this space to do that, people let down their walls. And it just, it makes you more compassionate, doesn't it? It makes you be like, oh, wow, I really don't have any idea what people are dealing with. That was really one of the main reasons for starting this podcast. Thank you so much, Evie. Before we go, can you tell me what you've been working on? Oh, career-wise, 
I have a book coming out. So I'm excited. I've been trying to write for a long time. And also, do you know, like as an actor, I, I'm really sick of waiting for permission to have work. And I, I've always envied writers for that feeling of that they have autonomy in their career. And I never want to quit acting, but I do want to feel a sense of more creative control. So I'm excited about that. And non-career-wise, I'm trying to train to be like a circus aerial instructor. I love it so much. What? <laughs> I got into aerial like two years ago, like hoop and silks. And it makes me so happy. And every time I do, I'm like, I wish I could do this all day. So I turned 30 in the summer. And it made me be like, you know what? Okay, I can do what I like. I can train as a circus instructor. That's my little, who knows if I ever will do it, but I'm loving it. That's an awesome 30 year old decision. I love that. Thanks. Yeah, those are things. What are you excited about? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm excited about getting in the camper van, oh, to be honest, nice. Evie. Part of the quarantine experience for me was for the first time in like 23 years, not obsessing about future work, mm. about future jobs, yes. about like the hustle. Yeah. It really felt like, oh my God, this is what it feels like to take my foot off the accelerator. Just live. Yeah. It's really nice. I've really appreciated that element. I relate to that of like, it was nice when everyone was forced to stop. So you're like, cool, I don't have to define myself by my productivity. And then being like, oh, it's quite nice to have a slower pace, I think. I think so too. And the title of your book is The Opposite of Butterfly Hunting. Can you tell us about it? It's nonfiction. It's like memoir self-help style thing. It's all about just the balance between mental health and creativity, because I have found a lot of healing from mental health problems with art and creativity more than anything else. So, yep, that's what it's about. That's kind of amazing. I love that. And I can relate to that. That's wonderful. You know, this whole thing of like your demons trying to crush them out of you, which I think the medical system does a lot. It treats mental illness as this bad thing. I just don't think that part goes away. I've not found it anyway. I found that energy in me is still there, but it's like channeled into creation rather than self-destruction and so yeah I think it's about channeling it but I, I have strong feelings on like how as I say the medical system handles mental illness and anyway I put it in the book <laughs> that sounds really wonderful oh Evie I can't thank you enough for today likewise have a wonderful rest of your day thank you bye Evie thank you bye thanks Anna bye